0: Well, one way my wife and I have tried to help our kids organize their lives is by holding them accountable. And one of the ways is to hold them accountable to keep a clean room. Not a pristine museum of a room, but a picked-up room. Any parents ever working on that with their kiddos? Yep, I'm still working on that with my wife. Come on, pick that stuff up. No, it's the other way around. (laughs) However, one day, Jonah, my son, who was six or seven after my wife had instructed him to clean up his room, replied, cleaning my room is pointless, Mom. Entropy, you can Google it. (laughs) Well, that's a lot to unpack there, but first you know that from a very early age, my son loved all things science, everything science. He also loved reading, and he has a very, very good memory. He had been gifted one Christmas with a set of books based on different scientific disciplines, chemistry, biology, and the book he spent the most time reading was this book on physics. Now I'm gonna read to you from the actual book that he read when he was six or seven years old and help you understand what he was talking about when he talked about entropy. Here's the book, we dug it out from the box that we, we boxed it up years ago and this is what he was talking about. Entropy, I am the king of chaos, a mixed up prankster who makes sure that energy always changes from useful forms to messed up, spread out forms. A renowned troublemaker. I'm the reason why things break and burn out, and I'll get you too in the end. (laughs) It's like a seven, seven year old boy reading this. Okay. Did this pass any kind of FDA approval? I'm not sure. Is that the right agency? Probably not. Ultimately, I'll cause your your body cells to degrade and stop working properly and you'll die. (laughs) Kids book. I always increase and I work in one direction only. Things never get neater unless you put some effort in. Now underline that, unless you put some effort in. Hurrah! In short, I create havoc. That's why it's pointless cleaning your room, because the universe is working against you. Next time, try that as an excuse. Thank you for causing so many problems in families over the years. Physics. Well, I remember thinking, great argument, son. You did your research, I'm proud of you. You've taken in information and you've applied it to your everyday life. And thank you for encouraging us to further educate ourselves through the Google. I appreciate that. But here's another phrase for you to Google. Because I said so. <laughs> Look that up, smarty pants. But it's true that at times we can feel that the universe is working against us. We do age. Life slips away. The rooms of our lives get Cluttered. The rooms of our lives get messy. And a lot of times we're not that helpful. Sometimes we even work with entropy because our efforts can damage others. Making a mess of the rooms of other people's lives, the things we say and do, the things we don't say and don't do can amplify the messiness, the entropy. We can amplify the brokenness. We hurt one another. We can refuse to help others. We cause trouble. There can come this chasm between one another, and all that seems to speed up the entropy, speed up the burn. We burn ourselves and we burn others. Last week, Pastor Paul Gaucher walked us through the power of repentance. Repentance, that turning away from the harmful things that we do to others and ourselves. Repentance is that effort against entropy. Repentance, that gift, working against the burn, working against. Entropy, the gift of repentance. And the first step, right, is to turn 180 degrees from where you were going in burning others into another direction of hope and healing. It's a way to clean up the messy rooms of our lives. And today, we're going to be speaking forgiveness, another force that actively works against the burn, another way to clean up the messy rooms of our lives. Because the reality is, we get burned by others. We're damaged by others, by what they say, by what they don't say, by what they do, and by what they don't do. They come into our lives and mess up the rooms of our lives. We also, though, get absolute clarity about the gift of forgiveness that actually efforts against this burn. And Jesus teaches us forgiveness extensively through his teachings, through his words, his actions, through stories, through parables that he tells. The Apostle Paul also does the same thing. He's planting churches all over the place, and he knows that forgiveness is needed in community because community can experience entropy, entropy just as we individuals can. But there are actually very few stories in Scripture of regular folks forgiving other regular folks in the Bible. Nathan talked about one, Joseph Joseph ended up forgiving his brothers, actively working against the burn, against entropy. But there's another one I want to focus on today, and it's within the same family. It's actually Joseph's father, Jacob. However, I want to preface this whole topic of forgiveness with these words. If you are in the midst of an abusive situation, if you're being bullied in person or being bullied online, If you are experiencing sexual, physical, or emotional abuse, any kind of abuse, you need to tell somebody. In those situations, the word for you is not just to simply forgive and stay in that situation. Now, I hope at some point in time in your life, you might get to a point where you can forgive. That's a gift for yourself down the road. But in the here and now, we need to get you help. We need to get you out of that unhealthy situation. And if you are in that situation, I wanna speak courage to you today. Reach out to our spiritual care team. We are here for you. Now about speaking forgiveness. I wanna look at a very popular story in scripture that we tend to only focus on the first half of this story. But I think the second half of the story is very powerful because without the second half, the first half may not make any sense. It's the story of Jacob and Esau. Jacob and Esau are twins. Esau is born first, and Jacob is born second, but the story tells us that Jacob is born hanging on to the ankle of Esau, hanging on to his big brother. Now Jacob, this younger son, he ends up getting Esau's birthright. Esau, the oldest, should have been concerned, but he wasn't as concerned about that kind of thing until, well, It was too late. The blessing was stolen by Jacob. And Esau is furious. You have to know Jacob's kind of a bad, bad boy. And he's encouraged and helped by his mom, which is a whole other story. Because remember, these are twins. Lots of drama in this family. And as the story goes, Esau, the firstborn, was not someone you should mess with. If any of you uh, know Marvel comics or any other comics, uh, you know uh, the Wolverine? Esau was like the Wolverine. And Jacob, well, he was like Pee Wee Herman. It's not gonna go well. And Jacob knows it. So Jacob runs. He runs and he runs and he runs. He runs for 20 years. And in the meantime, we hear very little about Esau. We hear a lot about Jacob. And there ends the first half of the story. But there's a second half to the story. Because Jacob decides that he wants to return home. But he knows that he's gonna run into Wolverine. He knows he's gonna run into Esau. So Jacob sends Esau a message trying to break the ice and the report comes back that yes, the ice has been broken, but Jacob is still scared Because Esau, the report is, is coming to meet Jacob and he's bringing 400 other wolverine men with him. Uh oh, this throws Jacob into despair. So he sends Esau all these lavish gifts, trying to bribe him and he thinks about running again. But God finally takes a hold of Jacob. He shakes him around a bit and says, get a grip, I need you, stop running. So one morning, the perfect time to start a battle, here comes Esau with the 400. What does Jacob do? Well, still scared of Esau, he lines up his family and his servants in order of importance. He does that in case Esau attacks, maybe some of his family can get away. So he sends his servants and their kids out first, the most expendable ones. Then he sends out his least favorite wife, Leah, and their kids. And in the back, hiding behind all of that, is Jacob's favorite wife and favorite son, Joseph. Did we hear about Joseph in the children's message? No wonder these other brothers didn't like Joseph. But again, that's a different story. But Jacob does go first. He bows down as he approaches Esau because Jacob is expecting the sword. But Esau runs to him. Esau runs not with with the expected sword to Jacob's neck, but with a kiss on Jacob's neck. They hug and tears flow as these two long lost brothers are reunited. And Esau, he immediately turns to Jacob's family and says, who are all these people? I've got all these nieces and nephews and sisters-in-laws. Let me meet all of your family. And Esau says, by the way, why all the lavish gifts? I don't need them. Keep the gifts. Keep the gifts. I'm just happy to have my brother back. Esau, no bitterness, no resentment, just love. As Esau somehow has forgiven Jacob a long, long time ago. No apology needed Jacob, no gifts needed. The power of forgiveness has taken a hold of Esau without an apology. See it was Jacob that was holding on to his deeds, not Esau, Esau. And while Esau does move to the sidelines of this long family story, Esau's example of forgiveness is still powerful. Esau's moved on. Now we don't know how much time it took for Esau to move on. We don't know how much time it took for him to stop looking for Jacob. Because I imagine he looked for him for a while. But Esau's example of forgiveness is powerful. Esau had let it go. And it freed him to lead a whole new people with lands and a new blessing of his own. See that's what forgiveness does. Forgiveness works against the entropy, works against the burn. It's an active, everyday force that provides us with healing and new life. Esau's forgiveness was first and foremost not a gift to Jacob. Esau's forgiveness was a gift to himself. Because Esau never expected to see Jacob again. But somewhere along the line, Esau discovered that without forgiveness, he would only give in to the burn. Resentment would rule his life. The rooms of his life would never get clean. And all of that would turn to bitterness that would infect his whole family. Have you ever been part of a family or group of friends where a burn has occurred and forgiveness is absent? It ends up burning the whole family. Of the whole group of friends. My mom and dad are watching right now, and my own family feels the burn of the lack of both repentance and forgiveness. I have siblings that have fought for over 16 years, and it's affected our whole family, so much so that we can't even have a family reunion. We can't even be in the same room with one another, because without repentance and without forgiveness, it's burned the whole thing down. And I know mom, do I know dad, you cry over that every single day, to see your kids not able to live forgiveness. Is that real in your life? Have you ever experienced that? But in Esau, we see how forgiveness is active, and how forgiveness can propel us to be a blessing to others. Forgiveness helps us see ourselves as new with new possibilities, not tied down to some past event, reliving it over and over and over again, swinging our swords wildly at one another. Forgiveness is resurrection, and it's a resurrection event in our lives. A resurrection event that defeats the death of a past deed. A resurrection event that shapes us for a future filled with hope. A resurrection event that leads us not with a sword to the neck, but a kiss to the neck. It leads us to think about our own lives. Where do we need to speak forgiveness in our lives? And remember, forgiveness is a gift you give yourself. Whoever burned you never even needs to know you've forgiven them. Maybe your story will have that Jacob and Esau second half moment. I sincerely hope so. I sincerely hope that for my family. But that's not the motivation to forgive. Tending to you, tending to your spirit, forgiveness, a gift you give yourself, a way to organize our lives, not around bitterness and resentment, but to organize our lives focused, like Esau, on blessing and hope. Esau, the burnt one, had every excuse to make his life look like a messy room, filled with resentment and bitterness, every excuse to burn it down. But I can imagine that somewhere along the way, Esau received a gift, Maybe he received a book on forgiveness that he couldn't put down. And I could just imagine Esau going to his mom and saying, Cleaning my room is the point, mom. Forgiveness, you can Google it. Let's pray. Lord God, you know that we hold on to things, you know this about us, it's not a secret but you've given us this gift of forgiveness. And you know it's not easy. But Lord, we ask that you give us the courage, you give us the strength to lean into the gift of forgiveness. Help us live this gift for ourselves. Help us organize our lives around blessing and hope. The hope that forgiveness gives to us. We ask all this in your holy and precious name, and we all say together, amen. Amen.